Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From AccuWeather, this is everything under the sun. Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. This is our third episode of 2023 here on Everything Under the Sun, and we are turning the calendar to February, and we're going to talk about a couple of February things. First... In this first week of February, Groundhog Day takes center stage across the country, and it is also Black History Month, the beginning of it. And so our friend Evan Myers will stop by to talk about weather and history and have a little theme in that regard as well. Sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. While Groundhog Day has been part of my life since I was a little kid growing up in southeastern Pennsylvania, where a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch people live, and that's kind of the origins of Groundhog Day, Um, certainly since the movie came out, and this is kind of getting hard for me to accept that this movie is 30 years old already, 1993, when Bill Murray... And Groundhog Day hit, and certainly you can't help but seeing it over and over again. And that day replaying it over and over again in the life of uh, Bill uh, Murray and the, the meteorologist, it's an amazing story and a fun story, and it certainly put the focus on Punxsutawney and their version of Groundhog Day, and it's become an amazing situation uh, going forward in terms of its interest across the world and certainly the fun and frivolity they have up there on Gobbler's Knob. We are fortunate to be friends with Larry Richard. He is currently the morning man at KDKA Radio. Uh, several years ago, he finished a run as a t- television meteorologist on KDKA-TV, and so his relationship with AccuWeather has been great for the last 30 years. We've gotten to know each other really well, and he's part of what they call the inner circle. Those are the people that are the handlers or people that are the uh, folks that do the interpretation of um, Groundhog Ease when Phil comes out of the shadows. So he's got a lot of fun stories, and I thought it would be great to pair him and our long-range prognosticator or prognosticators, our long-range expert, Paul Pastelock, together to talk about Groundhog Day and how fun it is for the public and maybe not so fun for us meteorologists. So Groundhog Day actually is something that's ingrained in my life because I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, very Pennsylvania Dutch-laden, and this is where the Groundhog Day uh, kind of uh, celebration comes from. So it was been a part of my life. And once I became a meteorologist, obviously, I may have had a different view of this day going forward. And I may or may not have expressed that opinion on the air to my friends and colleagues, two of them which are with me right now, the esteemed Larry Richard from KDKA Radio, who also, before he spent uh, just mornings on KDKA uh, informing the public in Pittsburgh about what's going on, was the meteorologist on KDKA TV and certainly that long partnership with AccuWeather. And I'm joined by our own 
version of our groundhog, Mr. Paul Pastelock, who's I thought our... you were going to call me a groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm getting there. laughs> you know, the German tradition, guys, was it was a badger. Germany has badgers, believe it or not. And then when they got here and we didn't really have badgers in Pennsylvania, they switched it over to groundhogs. Paul, we're going to talk to you about what AccuWeather thinks about the spring situation. But the reason I wanted to bring Larry in because of his esteemed presentations over the years as the weather guy and his mighty media clout, he's actually been made part of the inner circle, right? And uh, you look at the uh, the Groundhog Day festivities up in Punxsutawney, Larry, you're, you're up close and personal. You've been part of that for years. I have been a honorary inner circle member for a long time. So when Bill Murray's movie Groundhog Day came out, in the movie, he plays a television weather guy who's on in the morning. And so the powers that be said, Larry, this would be a great opportunity for you. We're going to send you to Punxsutawney. And this was the year after they actually did the filming, which they didn't actually do in Punxsutawney. They did it in Woodstock, New York, yeah, I where read Bill that, Murray yeah. was. But they did come and Bill made an appearance there the year before I got there. And so I became the quasi Bill Murray of the local scene. And as you know, in the movie, every day is Groundhog Day. Right. And for 10 straight years, they sent me up to Gobbler's Knob to cover this event. And I realized how torturous this was to all the noted meteorologists (laughs) around the country, including at AccuWeather, believe it or not. I was actually surprised by the pushback there was because of this Groundhog Day event. And why do you think that is? I'm going to turn this question to Paul, because for me, I mean, sometimes I enjoy the fun and the silliness and the entertainment and that stuff. But sometimes it really goes to odds of things that we've been talking about and pushing and and really invested in in the forecast, especially now that long term forecasting is is really long range forecasting really of great importance to people planning ahead and stuff, Paul. So, I mean, uh, you grew up in Connecticut. I mean, what, what was it, what was your feeling being a meteorologist and seeing all this hoopla about all this? Well, growing up in Connecticut, I care less about the groundhog, believe it or not. (laughs) I care less. I was like, you know, it was not a big deal for us back then. We just, Hey, we forecasted the long range. We looked at the weather ahead of time and all that kind of stuff. I came here and I was like, you know, it was it was fun. It was all great and dandy because remember when I started, Dean, I wasn't a long range forecaster. Right. You were in the nuts and bolts of the daily forecast. Exactly. Exactly. So it didn't bother me. I had fun. I loved it. I said, you know, someday I'm going to get up there and I'm going to enjoy the festivity. It's going to be fun. Then I became a long range forecaster. And then it was just comparison to a groundhog every <laughs> year, every year media. So what's your feeling about the groundhog? What do you think is what do you think about uh, his choice? And it's like when you hear that question over and over and over. Yeah, it, it does. It does great on you a little bit. And Larry, I think that the problem is that we see some things that the groundhog says that don't make sense. I mean, I mean, it's, it's happening as the day is supposed to dawn. Right. And as that's happening right at sunrise. Some days when the sun's coming up, he doesn't see a shadow like he should. Or some days when it's cloudy as all get out, he does see his shadow. So what's the science to that? Is there a science, Larry? Listen, nobody has their tongue 
further stuck in their cheek than every single person in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Yeah. However, that said, Paul and Dean, it may shock you to know that I've had PhD level educated people say to me, seriously, Larry, how does that groundhog know? And I <laughs> just look at them like you're not in on the joke here. We <laughs> all get it up there, but it's amazing to me. And I understand what you're saying, Paul, because you get aggravated by people asking, but it's, it's just for those that don't know, February 2nd is midwinter. Mm. There mm -hmm. are six more weeks of winter. Yes. Anyway. Right. And rarely does Phil forecast a early spring. The midway point for calendar winter, I think it's fun right. to know, right. note that it's the beginning of solar spring, right? It's right about the beginning of solar right. spring. So, you know, we're making our way out, but you're right. On the calendar, there is six more weeks of winter. I, you, know, you don't know how many times I've had to explain that to people. Did you look at the calendar, right? Yeah. The truth is some other educated people have said to me, well, how does Phil know when to come out? And I thought, well, he knows when to come out because they grab him out of that stump on Gobbler's Knob, which, by the way, is heavily laden with straw and heated with a 100-watt light bulb, by the he way. Has, he has a heater so the, in there before he comes out? Yes, the, even though he has a fur coat. Good the, Lord. The groundhog is much more comfortable than most of the crowd assembled <laughs> yeah. there on the knob. Which has been in some years in excess of 30,000 people, which is crazy. In the early days, it was like a Civil War encampment with fires and people coming from everywhere. They have it much more organized in the last 20 years. They've got fireworks, they got music. I mean, you can watch it online. It's a great party. It really is. It has very little to do with the science of weather and should not infringe upon the level of expertise that each of you have. So I, I, I remember one specific incident where when I was working at KDK TV doing the weather, when we used to have the teletype machines and the forecasters for associated press back then, I don't know who was supplying them, but remember they could print out in a pattern based on the type. And there was, a huge, and I thought, what is going on here? There must be some major story breaking. And someone had figured out how to put a picture of a groundhog in typeface on, and it said the groundhog was wrong. <laughs> because, the you know, and I'm thinking to myself, did it really mean that much that somebody took the time to do this? And the answer is yes. Yes. So, it, it's a point of irritation, I guess, for meteorologists. However, it is really just a tremendous slice of a small town Americana with a little place in Punxsutawney that figured out how to get national and some international attention on one day a year. I, I'm just going to let you know, last week I had an interview from a guy in the UK asking me the weather <laughs> for Punxsutawney on February 2nd and what the groundhog was going to do from the UK. It's not just in the United States. It's people right. outside of the United States that are asking what's going on. Too yeah. I well. mean, it, it, it is captured because it, I mean, again, when you see those images and people see that party in Punxsutawney, they, they say, wow, that must be pretty, 
pretty something I want to get involved in. I guess my question, Larry, to you would be is Punxsutawney and that uh, crowd, are they upset because now there's a proliferation of these furry rodents across the country? I mean, it seems like there's Staten Island Chuck. There's uh, the there's Prairie uh, Jim. Yeah, there's well, I grew up in Lancaster, so we had one in Quarryville. Uh, I forget the his uh, Octorera Sam maybe, and then um, there's one in in Michigan. There's like twenty of them now. So fake news, fake, fake news. news, all of them imitators. <laughs> General Beauregard down in the south. Yeah, uh, but Phil was the first in the United States, and it really was the German immigrants celebrating Candlemas. Candlemas. Uh, yeah. So, so there is a religious hook to it, but in reality, the early days, guys. They just midwinter found an excuse to go to the hunting lodge and have a few cocktails in a in a bo- otherwise boring time of the year, you know, sans television and radio, where they could just get together and have a little fun. And last year, I was the keynote speaker at the Groundhog Dinner. Uh oh, the night like before. like we saw in the movie, like that big thing where they yes. auctioned off women to men and stuff. Is that you guys do that? Was well, that is that still that, going on? No, I missed that part. <laughs> but but what was really funny was the first time I went, uh, they said I had a photographer with KDK TV, and we were all set. And they said we'd like you to come to the Groundhog Dinner. And I went to the door, and they said, "Oh, Larry, we have a seat for you, sure." And they took me up and sat me next to the podium. And I'm like, wow, this is this is some big stuff here. Get I get the best seat up. in the house here. I'm going to see what yeah. the, what's going on up close and personal. And then I started looking through the program, and it said keynote address Larry Richard. I'm thinking, I panicked. Now there's 500 people in the Punxsutawney High School cafeteria, dressed in various forms of hog decorations, <laughs> and uh, periodically grown men going groundhog and then people answering. And I was dumbfounded to find myself in that position. So 25 years later, last year, yeah. I was brought back to do the keynote at the Groundhog Dinner. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad at least they give you a, a chance to prepare for that. We're talking with Larry Richard from KDK Radio, longtime uh, Pittsburgh fixture, also a former meteorologist on KDK television, and our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Pasolak. I think Larry and I would agree, as much as we've been talking, winter's come back a little bit here to the Northeast, and we're going to get some polar plunge here as we go, uh, especially late in the week towards the weekend, uh, some of the coldest air since uh, that polar nastiness in December. But, Paul, I wanted to give you a couple of minutes here to give us the definitive thoughts from AccuWeather as we make this turn from late winter to spring. What are some of your thoughts? Let's start in the Northeast, Larry, and and my jurisdiction in the Pennsylvania Northeast up to New York City and Boston, some things here over the next several weeks. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I the coldest air coming this weekend uh, is going to be probably Saturday morning. That's going to be the coldest morning. But right. by far, I, I still wouldn't be outside for hours uh, watching the groundhog on the uh, February 2nd because it's still going to be in the teens that day. So there is, like you said, Dean, some really good cold coming here. It's going to be short-lived, and it's going to really turn around. Big change uh, uh, taking place after this as we go through the first couple of weeks of February. I do think that we're going to see uh, temperatures getting back above normal. Remember that stunt we saw in the middle of Fe- uh, January here, uh, early mid-January, where temperatures were way above normal. We could see some of those kind of days coming back, I think, going into that uh, time pattern. And uh, 
And it looks like, you know, overall going into that transition, there's going to be a lot of mild days in the East Coast. Uh, I think there's a little bit of up and down the farther north you go. But uh, in the East Coast, I think we're talking about uh, some temperatures, you know, 10, 15 degrees above normal for highs at times, especially the Mid-Atlantic and Southeast, but uh, a little back and forth in the Northeast. And then maybe some uh, stunts with the polar vortex down the road again uh, as we get into spring. Unfortunately, we have the mild weather in February, may have some mild weather in March, but April may end up being kind of the ugliest month of the of them all right, right now as far as cool and, uh, you know, kind of unsettled weather. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we still got some winter left, um, but there are still uh, some signs of spring coming our way. Does New York City get snow? We finally get the cold, Dean, but we don't have the precip events, yeah. right? So it's, it's one of these things where we're having timing issues. And uh, here's the thing. Could we get... More snow for New York in the spring than we did in the winter this year. Is it going to be one of those kinds? Right, yeah. right, right. You know, maybe we have a snow could come in March year. or, or yeah. you know, even early April. Real right. quick, out west, uh, you know, after being so darn stormy and so mm-hmm. destructive as we went through the New Year's and then it's eased out, or what's going on the next uh, several weeks as we head towards spring out there? Well, with some return of moisture in northern California and the northwest, they will see kind of what they normally would see, not the extreme events that they saw in late December, early January. Uh, don't be surprised. It's a lot of cold air coming down. In fact, for the Super Bowl uh, in a couple of weeks, it actually may be cooler than normal uh, down toward the Phoenix area, and maybe not far to the north in Flagstaff. There could be some snow. And Ooh. I wouldn't be surprised that uh, Seattle uh, is not out of the woods to seeing snow before the winter's over with as well. So some uh, chillier temperatures in the west going into February while the east is warming up. So that's what I'm seeing right now. Larry, uh, as we wrap up here, I want to give you the last word as uh, someone who's uh, anxious to go back up there and enjoy uh, this festivities and stuff. Uh, Really, is this a bucket list thing for people who are weather geeks uh, or like small town America? Is this something they should put on their radar to try to do to be up on Gobbler's Knob? Yeah, people are extraordinarily kind in Bunxatawney. They welcome People, again, the whole event is tongue-in-cheek. It's made to seem like the biggest event on earth. And, you know, it's just a fun day, and it's very unique. It's the only place where they really do it up like this. So if you ever have a chance, it can be a lot of fun. Take the kids. There's no drinking on the knob, not like the old days. So it's uh, secure and and well-attended and just a lot of fun. But it is amazing, guys. The minute Phil comes out, gives his prognostication that crowd scatters you turn around and all of a sudden where did everybody go so uh in the in the first year i was there i had to stand in front of that stump paul for three and a half hours because you're locked down and we fed television stations around the country and it was 13 below the actual not the real feel so uh I lost contact with my extremities and I never did forgive our uh, news director for sending me there in the first place. But I did get the in meat the end. I did get the meat fill though. <laughs> I met, he came over to Penn state at the campus over here with my son three years ago. So yeah. he got the meat fill. So Phil's yeah. very, you know, Phil was on Oprah Winfrey. Phil has been yeah. on the late night shows. Phil's very popular. Uh, and my sympathies to you, official meteorologists who have to deal with this but just once a year so well give it give him our regards tell him that we don't we, we may just grouse a little bit but we're, we're, we're right there <laughs> with the groundhog you know all right dean 
Paul, good to hear your voice. Thanks for the long range. And Dean, I'll talk to you as we do every morning. All right, Larry and Paul, thank you so much. It's been great as we celebrate Groundhog Day and get the real story about what the next six weeks of uh, winter will be. (laughs) Have a great day. Of course, you can read Paul Pasolak's work on AccuWeather.com and see him on our AccuWeather Network and our AccuWeather Now feed. And Larry Richard, you can hear on KDKA Radio 100.1 100.1 FM, AM 1020 in the Pittsburgh area and across the world on odyssey.com. He's on live every morning from 5.30 to 10, getting the pulse of Pittsburgh. Thanks to Larry and Paul. That was fun. Friends, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about history. Evan Myers joins us with our monthly look at history and weather. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun, Episode 3 of 2023. It is our first episode of February. And as we're going to do every month, once a week during that month, we're going to look at history and weather, how a weather event has changed or impacted history, or vice versa, how history and weather have been interacting the other way. And our resident expert on that is Evan Myers, who has been always a history buff, but especially where the nexus of history and weather come in. And as we get ready to commemorate Black History Month and also all the other things that have gone on in February, some interesting stories from our friend Evan Myers here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Evan, great to have you back as we take a look at historical weather significant events for the month of February. And overall, before we got to the the event that we're going to focus for historical weather in February, wanted to make note that we are entering into Black History Month. And I know from listening to your podcasts uh, from the past in terms of weather and history and knowing your love of history, Pretty interesting story when you look back at the Revolutionary War and the lead up to that, the Boston Tea Party. I think very few people know that the first person to die in the uh, situation leading up to those events was an African-American in Boston. Well, that's exactly right. Now, this event happened in the month of March, March 5th of 1770. And we're talking about, Dean, the Boston Massacre Really, it is an important thing as we go into Black History Month in the month of February, even though this event happened in March. 
it's something that many people don't know about and in some respects was somewhat erased from history. Crispus Attucks was the first person to fall uh, during the Boston Massacre, and he was a a, a black man, uh, a man who had been born into slavery in Framingham, Massachusetts in the early 1720s. He became a sailor. He was sometimes a dock worker in the Boston area. He actually was able to gain his freedom. So he was a free black man working in Boston and was caught up in the same revolutionary fervor that many of the folks were in Boston at the time. And he confronted, uh, he was with a group of, of, of Bostonians that confronted a group of British soldiers that were, to the Bostonians anyway, were really uh, not representing them, but were imposing the will of the crown on them, all kinds of different laws that were passed during the years, decade leading up to that time. And they were basically protesting. And the interesting thing is that the weather does have something to play here in that there was a lot of snow on the ground and a lot of ice. And most of the the, the crowd of people, the British called them a mob, and the, of course, Americans called them patriots, mm-hmm. started, started throwing things at the British soldiers, mostly snowballs. And mostly they were throwing snowballs at the British and the British reacted to that and eventually fired into the crowd. And the first person of the five that were killed, the first person to fall was a black man, Crispus Attucks. And many people will point to Concord and Lexington, of course, that occurred uh, five years later as the first shots. But many people said the first people to fall in the Revolutionary War were the folks that died and the Boston Massacre. And it's incredible that there was some weather element to that, too. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, Let's fast forward then a couple of hundred years. February 9th, 1969, New York City. Yes. Um, Bracing for what wasn't supposed to be much of a storm, right? A lot of the forecasters going into this storm uh, in the early part of February weren't thinking much of it. Well, they were they were not. Uh, they were thinking. Uh, the, I know the the National Weather Service had forecasted a few rain showers, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, we all know as meteorologists that uh, oftentimes storms will will spin up along the Carolina Capes, move up the eastern seaboard, just as cold air moves in, and uh, a storm that might look benign or may bring some rain showers because the temperatures may be forty degrees pulls in some cold air or cold air moves down the coast out of New England and sets up for what is usually from a temperature standpoint, a marginal snowstorm, but from a snow accumulation point, anything but marginal, a heavy snowstorm. And that's exactly what happened. And it's kind of interesting because the mayor of New York was on vacation. John mayor, Lindsay, right? Mayor John Lindsay, the, you know, the fortunes of uh, uh, his political fortunes were riding high. He was often mentioned as a possible presidential contender during, uh, you know, updated uh, coming up into the decade of the 70s uh, because he was a younger kind of dynamic person. He was a Republican. He was but, running the biggest city in the world, right? So, well, he, uh, yeah, well, you know. well, he was uh, and he had a lot of support among Democrats. So he was someone that bridged the uh, crossing the aisle. Yeah, exactly. He was 
thought of as a progressive, which seems uh, maybe an anathema today for, for a Republican, Republican right? <laughs> but he was also considered that he uh, balanced the budget. He was able to look at things financially. And so he got support from both sides. So his fortunes were riding high, but they were about to be undone. The weather did it in, right? <laughs> well, weather did do him in. Uh, they did him in significantly because in, in New York City, uh, there was anywhere from 12 to 18 inches of snow while Mayor Lindsay was on vacation. I believe he was in Florida. And it will be ever go down in the annals of New York City as the Mayor Lindsay storm because <laughs> he wasn't there. No. And it wasn't just that he wasn't there, but the city of New York seemed to be unable to clean things up. Weren't there issues with the, they had had a strike going into that? And so there were still in terms of the people that were normally the city workers. So so there was problems there and getting uh, even at the point where the storm hit uh, in terms of cleaning up. Is that part of it, too? Well, there had been a strike leading up to that, or at least some some labor issues that were somewhat settled, but not actually uh, worked through yet. And so he left when this was going on. He left as uh, even though the he, he said, oh, I didn't know it was going to snow. Uh, but uh, all these the factors came together and New York was hit really hard yeah. because there was so much snow. People were stranded in their cars, just like we've seen happen recently in the Buffalo, mm -hmm. New York area. 21 people died in the borough of Queens alone from wow. the storm. Wow. And it, it, it the, the storm was came 40, all of a sudden. 40 people total across the five boroughs, right? It wasn't well, that, like That's right. 40 New Yorkers died. And it came fast. It came quick. That's why people got stranded in different places. And it ended quickly. And so did Mayor Lindsay's political fortunes. Yeah. They ended just as quickly. 10 to 20 foot drifts. I mean, you're talking, you're right. It, it was a it was a quick hitter. Um, 12, if 20, even some 30 inch reports in Connecticut. That's what we say is an immobilizing storm. And if you can't clean it up in New York City, that immobilization is going to cause all kinds of issues. So uh, a, a well, very situ a, a tough situation. But, you know, we're seeing these rapid intensifications, Evan, much more, I think, in the last 10, 12 years up along the eastern seaboard. So could this kind of thing happen again? History repeats itself. Well, so, well, absolutely. We've seen this happen, as you mentioned, uh, not only recently, but in the, you know, the last Four or five decades, we've seen these storms occur in Providence and Boston, other places like that. We've seen what happened in Buffalo. And as we go through the cycles that we're going through now, if we do see more and more rapid intensification, that brings up the possibility of people are not prepared that they can really get stuck in these types of situations. And as we've seen, not only back in 1969, but even this winter, they can be life threatening. Evan, again, thank you. And again, thanks to Paul and our friend Larry Richard from KDKA. That was a fun discussion. Please share this with folks who you know love Groundhog Day and want to get a little inside scoop. I think they'll be enjoying this uh, episode and kind of getting into that inner circle. And certainly suggest this podcast to others that might be interested where the weather meets your life. That's what we try to do here every week. For our hundreds of team members across the board, across the world, who work so hard to weatherproof your life, for our executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb and for all of us here at AccuWeather thanks for listening next week we'll get ready for the Super Bowl with some sports and weather talk this is everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. 